Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Kurt. So this morning we're going to continue uh, with our Scene Change series, uh, uh, just asking the Lord to teach us how to pray more effectively, how to desire His presence more, how to host His presence better, and ultimately how to see His will done in our lives. So a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I had the opportunity to go with my sister's family to a high ropes course out in North Park. It's called Go Ape. Years ago, uh, before I had children, I would be able to do these high ropes and zip lines and whatever else, heights and so on, with no problem at all. I've been skydiving right after college. And I don't know what it was, but something when I had kids, like even climbing up a ladder to get onto my roof, I was scared to death. I don't know. I really don't know what it was. It was like, I noticed like my hands are all sweaty and I got a stomach ache and I'm like getting dizzy. And I'm like going up, you know, 10 steps on a ladder to get up on a roof. So something completely, completely changed uh, after fatherhood. I don't know if it was, I I really don't know. I'm not going to try to guess. I'm on a timeline here. Um, So over time, uh, it just continued, you know, continued on. So I find myself now at this ropes course. In fact, some of you guys were at Jamonville maybe 10 or 12 years ago at the high ropes course. And y'all took pictures of me hugging one of the trees in between station one and station two. I literally was frozen. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to get down. Like they're gonna need a crane to get me down. (laughs) So I've literally prayed this thing off and I'm like, I gotta get over this thing. So the ladders are good with me now. I'm fine up um, up on roofs and so on. And inside buildings, not Washington, none of that kind of stuff bothers me. So I'm like, okay, I'm over this thing. I'm doing this by faith, you know? Well, they, uh, they, we, we get to the second course. There's like this little training area, but we get to the second, uh, second course. I think there was five of them. And I'm like halfway up this rope ladder that kind of moves with you. And literally just halfway up, I'm sweating, stomach ache. I'm getting dizzy. My arms, I mean, I'm like 10 rungs up. My arms are already cramping out of fear. I don't know why my muscles would cramp that quick. I'm like, all right, I'm not quite over this yet. So I'm up top, and, and <laughs> Sharice and my mom are asking, like, Kurt, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm like walking this thing. Meanwhile, I am so scared. I'm sweating. I'm dizzy. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. So I completed, I think it was three out of five of the courses. So I was super proud of myself. I did not do the really, really high ones. What I liked about this, though, is the trainer, who happened to be my nephew. Uh, he works there. He, on the training course, what he did is he had us, we have a harness and we have two carabiner clips and uh, it, it gets clipped onto what's called the crossing line, which is the top. And there's handrail lines, which are just ropes that give you support. So we were supposed to walk across one sideways and he encouraged us to just let go of that rope and fall back. And now we were probably like six feet off the ground, that's it. But what it was training you for is this. If you are properly attached uh, and your clips are there, your harness is on right, that that crossing line will support you. So that any time you're walking across as high as you could be, like it doesn't have to get scarier the higher you go, though it does. How many of you can say amen? Yeah. But it's supposed to teach that no matter what height you are, no matter how difficult the course is, if you are attached properly and the clips are on, you can completely let go and you're going to be able to effectively finish the course because you are attached. So I continue to remind myself this over and over and over again. If I can just remain attached to this crossing line, I will be able to navigate the course. 
no matter how scared I am, no matter how bad I feel like I'm gonna throw up, whatever it is, I just have to remain attached. And this is the lesson, this is the bottom line for today. When we remain attached to Jesus, we will be able to effectively navigate the course of life. Listen, there is no book, no growth plan, no strategy that's going to get us through life if we do not remain attached to Jesus. There are a lot of helpful tips and principles and books and videos out there that we can grow from. But sometimes, especially in our society, we want the three-step plan to get it done and get it done fast. And nowhere will you find that in the Bible. Jesus isn't like, hey, pull out your note card, write three things down, and you got it in a week. Not at all. Jesus is very, very clear that we must remain attached to him if we are going to be able to navigate this life effectively. So I wanna keep that in my mind really the rest of my life. It's just that moment where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fall back very, okay, very slightly. I'm only five feet off the ground, but I know this harness, the support straps, all the locks, all the clips, as long as those things stay on that crossing line, doesn't matter how low or high we are, how confident or how afraid we are, we can get through this thing with Jesus. Amen? So last week, Amber preached a solid word on waiting on the Lord. Four very clear points that she has lived out in her life to see the Lord's will come to pass uh, through her ministry, her private life, and so on. Sharice and I had the opportunity to listen to it on our way back up from Florida where we dropped Isabella off uh, college. Now, in her first point, uh, remaining in the Lord, remaining in him, she touched on John chapter 15. And she talked about some of the aspects of that, of that, of a few verses in there. So before, uh, when I was first inviting her to preach that week, I was talking to her about how John 15 has been on my mind, in my heart, and really just been challenging me. I've read it a ton of times over my years of following Jesus. And I, I even mentioned to her, I said, I knew that she was going to going to um, include it into her message, but I want to take just these few verses from John chapter 15 and look at them from a few different perspectives and really launch off of what Amber spoke about from her first point out of four last Sunday. So in John chapter 15, actually leading up to John chapter 15, Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He's sharing some principles and truths about eternity He's comforting them, and he's actually giving them teaching on the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus is talking to them, there's not somebody that's taking notes and saying, okay, this is gonna be chapter 15. It's just there's a change in conversation. So years later, the theologians, they started to put the markers in here. So when we started John chapter 15, still in the same conversation, but a new topic. I wanna read verses one through eight and verse 16. I would really encourage you to read all the verses for the sake of time. We're going to camp out on these ones. Verse one says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking to his followers. That word true, if you look at that in the original content, it, means, it literally means a vine that can be trusted. Someone that is true that can actually be trusted just like that crossing line on the ropes course. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And in verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now, when you are learning how to read scripture, interpret scripture, study the Bible and so on, one of the very first things they will teach you is look for repetition. So whether it's the Psalms and you're seeing a repetition in David's writings or in Proverbs, in Hebrews, whatever it is, you're looking for patterns of words and phrases. The more it shows up, the more there's a focus on it, the more important it is. Now, I've found at times when there's repetition and Jesus is like, oh, you're in me and I'm in you and we're in him and he's in us, sometimes it can almost be confusing, right? So it's good to like slow down and just take a look at what is actually occurring in these verses. So Jesus is making a few things very clear who the players are in this illustration or metaphor of what he's talking about. Jesus is the vine. We know that. He's very clear on that. I am the true vine. So we know in an illustration, you might not be uh, knowledgeable about gardening. I'm not really at all. But we know Jesus is the vine in this story, this illustration. We know that we are the branches, not just his followers then, but we can draw this context very clearly to today as if he was sitting there talking to us. We are still his disciples, so we are the branches here. And we know that the Father is the gardener. You'll see, you see activity happening throughout this illustration, throughout Jesus' story here, and the Father is active pruning. The Father is active removing. The Father is active throwing branches into the fire. If we see these three things, we see Jesus at work, we see the, uh, as the vine, we see us as the branches, the Father as the gardener. It's important to understand who these players are so we know we could stay focused on the main topic here, which is remaining in him. So I'm reading these verses. I'm not reading them weeks ago to, uh, to plan to preach on them or anything. I was just trying to read as much as I could on prayer and uh, aspects of, of being with him and his presence and so on. And I was reading through just these first five or six verses and the Lord, I felt like the Lord asked me a question that has really bothered me. It continues to bother me in a good way because I want to get this right. I want, I want this thing to be in my life and I wanna be able to live it so that our church family can live it as well. And this is the question. What if the church genuinely believed these verses, took them at face value and lived them daily? Now you might say, well, yeah, Pastor Carmen, this is why we come to church. It's like to listen to the Bible. It's why we, we read the Bible. It's so we can listen to it and learn it and apply it to our lives. I get that, but he slowed me down and he's like, what if we seriously, genuinely believe these verses at face value, took them at face value and lived by them as if they were fully true? 
Because if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you would believe that this word is fully true, would you not? You would say, everything in this word is true, and I want to live by it. And yet these verses are so clear, so plain, right in our sight. I'm thinking to myself, why do I not listen to this more often, more consistent, more clearly? Right? Take away all the other, don't take away, but set aside all the other principles of his kingdom, all the other teachings about the gospel, all the things that Paul taught about grace. Set all those aside for a minute and look at just these few verses and come to a realization, if we believe these things, then we would believe the only possible way to bear fruit in our lives is to remain in him. And we would also believe the other side, that if we refuse to prioritize remaining in him, he does not say, hey, you'll get some good works out. Hey, you'll be loved by some people. You might make your name in an article. No, he actually says, if you do not remain in me, you can bear no fruit. So these verses, like as simple as they are, they hit me really, really hard a couple weeks ago. To a point where it's like, what if I woke up every single morning and we really should do this? It just helps me if I ask it in question form. So it's not like I must. What if I woke up every single morning with the reality that the only way I'm going to bear fruit is if I choose to remain? And the consequence of not remaining in him is no fruit. So then the question is asked again, what if the church took these verses seriously? What if we genuinely believed them? What if we really thought that it wasn't about everything that we could do for the Lord, but it started at remaining? And nothing would be possible without remaining in him. I'll read the verse again, verse four. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch. There, there's not a little bit here. There's not like, hey, the really experienced, outgoing, uh, strong people are going to make it without me. There's no qualifying factor here, guys. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, it must, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, me, us, remain in him. We might look at this as being narrow-minded or the Lord forcing us and, wow, why does he make it this way? I, I love this because it's so clear. It's actually a lot easier than we think. It takes away striving. It takes away trying to prove ourselves, trying really hard. And this is my focus, remain. So we talk about breakthrough. We talk about miracles. We talk about we want to see salvations. We talk about favor and blessing. And all these things can be external fruit. But we also know real fruit that he's talking about is internal first. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Right? So in the results-minded world, we want something to do for the Lord. And he's saying, hold on, 
Stay grafted in the vine. Stay attached to the vine. Remain in the vine. Get the fruit worked out inside of you first. Get the fruit of the Spirit developed in you for your own benefit first. And then other people, when your fruit is mature and it's hanging off the vine, then other people will be able to come and pick that fruit off and enjoy it. But I think we reverse the process sometimes. We want other people to like see us and enjoy the fruit of our labor before it's developed inside. And Jesus is giving us one way to develop the fruit is to remain in him. So what does it mean to remain? I know Amber touched on this last week. Some of your translations use the word abide. So that word means to continue in the same place over a period of time to stay attached. All right, so what does that mean? Does that mean that we're called to not do anything else? We have to quit our jobs, don't have any conversations with anyone else and just stay in our prayer closet all day long? No, I don't believe that because Jesus didn't do it. He didn't teach his disciples to do it. So if we believe that we can go about our day and work and have friendships and have fun and and make a career out of the gifts that God's given us, then we have to believe this, is that when we say our amen in the morning or we say our amen at night or in our car or wherever you spend time with the Lord, when you say amen and begin to have a conversation with somebody else, you have to believe that you haven't come detached from the vine when you say amen. Are you guys with me? So this is not, I'm not talking to you just about your prayer time right now. I'm talking to us about our lifestyle of looking to him constantly and regularly so that we say amen and we know, okay, God, this was our private time. Now I'm going to go into my public time for the rest of my day, but that doesn't mean I leave you. It doesn't mean that I detach from you. It doesn't mean that you're going to cut me off. It means I'm going to rely on you through the whispers of the Holy Spirit as I remain attached throughout my day. And this is what I love about it. It's like you, you probably have seen patterns like I have where like your prayer time and your prayer life might be very consistent and very good. And it's like you walk into your private space or your car again, wherever it is in front of your sink, and you're like, Jesus is here. Like I feel the presence of God. And then it could be weeks, sometimes months where you're like, I know your word says you hear me and that you're with me, but I'm not feeling this at all right now. Have any of you gone through that? Right, so there's these ebbs and these flows, these seasons that we seem to go through in our prayer times. But I feel like if we can start to broaden our perspective and say, my responsibility is to remain with him, stay attached to the good times and the bad, when I sense him and when I feel like he's far away, I know he's here. So because of that, it's an intentional act of my will, my thought life, to remain attached, to remain sensitive, to choose no matter what I'm receiving or think I'm receiving, to remain attached to him. And now it's a lifestyle, not a certain time of the day, though that is very important. And we talked about that a few weeks ago with Jesus's lifestyle. I want you to see in these verses a progression of fruit of how Jesus is talking to them because they understood in context, even if they were fishermen, they still understood gardening uh, a lot better than we would today. So in verse two, we see he starts with no fruit, okay? He says, the gardener is cutting off every branch that bears no fruit. So Jesus starts it here. Listen, if you're not gonna bear fruit, you're getting cut off. It's as simple as that. Now he moves on and later on in verse two, and he says, every branch that does bear fruit, so now no fruit to fruit, okay? 
every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So there's a process that happens between the gardener and the branch as the branch is bearing fruit because the branch remains on the vine. Now in verse two, at the end of the verse, there's a reason why the gardener prunes the branch that bears fruit so that it would produce what? More fruit. If you go down to verse five, he starts, he goes from no fruit to fruit to more fruit, now to much fruit. In verse five, it says, you will bear much fruit if you remain in the vine. So what's happening? You remain in the vine, you start bearing fruit, you start getting pruned, and you don't like that. You don't want the gardener messing with your stuff, so you're gonna go off and do life your own way. You don't bear any more fruit. Are you with me? But you're attached to the vine, you start getting pruned, you're like, this is uncomfortable, I don't like this, I wanted that piece, I wanted this leaf, I wanted that branch attached to my branch. But you embrace that, there's a pruning that happens. As that pruning is happening, now Jesus is saying, you will bear more fruit and now you'll bear much fruit if you continue to remain. He uses the same phrase in verse eight. It says, this is going to bring glory to my father that you would bear much fruit. I love this because like the English language isn't just making this up. There are words that are attached to this as Jesus is talking. So he's not just saying, it's to my glorious father, or it's to the glory of my father that you would bear a little bit of fruit. It's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you will bring glory to his father as you bear much fruit. In fact, our much fruit, the fruit of the spirit that we can enjoy, that others can enjoy, and that we can minister to others with, will actually prove to other people that we are his disciples. So now check this out. Saying you go to church and saying you are a Christian does nothing for our witness in this world. That's not even a qualification in the Bible. If you, like Jesus isn't like, hey, listen, guys, listen. Tell people you're a Christian, you believe in me. Tell them that you walk into a building for about 90 minutes uh, once a week and they got you. They're gonna follow you right in here. Give their life to Jesus and everything. The two areas that I know is this one here and that our love for one another, right? It's by our love for one another that others will know that we are Christians, right? We had a really corny song and I'm not gonna try to sing. I'm talking about, they'll know we're Christians by our love, by our love. And this here, that they're gonna know we're Christians because of our fruit. And now we're like, oh geez, do we have to prove ourselves to them now? No, no, no. You're not trying to impress a non-believer. What are you trying to do? Remain, remain, continue remaining until fruit is coming out of your life and they say, something's different about you. What's going on? And then you can tell them about a building that you walk into once a week and you can invite them. Are you guys following me? Sometimes we just reverse this, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to, no, 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 we're looking, God's looking for fruit. Jesus is looking for fruit. He goes now, so he's no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, much fruit again. And then in verse 16, he's talking about how we didn't pick him. He chose us to go about this life to bear fruit. And then he says, fruit that will last. This is eternal fruit that will last for generations to come. This is awesome to think if we can get this one thing down and remain in Jesus. Just follow this out for a second. Let's not try to grow. Let's not try a strategy. Let's not try a plan. Let's try remaining. And then in the presence of remaining, he starts to give us things about where we're supposed to go in life. He starts to bear fruit in our lives. 
picture if we can just get the remaining part down and that people begin to eat off the fruit of our branch and that they actually learn what got us here. And now three, four, five generations, maybe thousands of years from now, if the Lord should tarry, even to hear that, you're like, oh no, not with the pandemic and all this stuff. He's gotta come back now. What if he would choose to tarry for thousands of years and you know today, in 2022, last quarter of the year, if we can get this remaining thing down, that people thousands of years from now will be able to enjoy the fruit that began with us just learning to remain. And he's saying, listen, I chose you to go and bear fruit that would last, eternal fruit that would make a difference and where people would spend their eternity. Right? So we're comfortable, confident that we know where we're going to go when we pass from this earth. Right? There are people all around us that need the fruit of eternal life. And we can give it to them if we learn how to remain. So when we look at these verses, this is really clear. We know the will of the Lord is for us to bear fruit. Okay? It's all through here. It's the will of the Lord for us to to bear fruit. Again, it starts inside with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And then we see the fruit of our labor. We see the fruit of our activities and our actions and so on. But it starts internal. We know this is the will of the Lord. But it's not the goal of these verses. See, we can get so caught up in the fruit. I gotta bear fruit. I gotta bear fruit. I gotta bear fruit. Jesus said he appointed me to bear fruit. How do I bear more fruit? That's not the goal. That's the byproduct of the goal. What is the goal of these verses? To remain. So he's like, I want you to have all these things developed in you. I want it to be not just more, but much. I want it to be fruit that's gonna last. It's gonna be amazing. Your life's gonna be changed. Other people's lives are gonna be changed. It's gonna multiply. The kingdom's gonna expand from Israel and Jerusalem all the way to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're gonna see all this stuff growing. We're like, excited, where do we get started? Oh no, it's really not about that. That's the byproduct. All that exciting stuff's the byproduct. The goal of these verses is to remain. Figure out how to slow ourselves down, our minds down, and our soul down enough, even when our day is crazy. Say, how do I stay attached to this vine? One of the really cool benefits to being attached to Jesus is that we do get pruned. And if you're like me, I don't want to be pruned. I want someone coming picking stuff off my life until you find out it's for your benefit, right? So verse two says, I'm going to back up just a few verses. Verse two says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. So these branches that don't bear any fruit, these are individuals that say, I follow Jesus. I go to church. Ask somebody if they're a Christian. If their first answer is, I go to church every Sunday. Hold on. Definition of Christian, following, do you currently follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Right now, is he on the throne of your heart? Okay? So there will be people that say, he's my Lord and Savior. I did works for him. I even preached about him. But in the end, they'll find out I didn't actually bear any, any eternal fruit. I didn't actually have the fruit of the Spirit in me. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7. 
Starting in verse 21, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? Bear fruit. What's the goal of all this? Remain. So there are people, watch this, verse 22. Many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we perform miracles? This is crazy, guys. People prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles, using the name of Jesus, yet not having him as Lord and Savior. And he's going to reply to them plainly, clearly, as simple as day, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. This is a final cutting off from the true vine on the judgment day. There's nothing that we can do to stop that from happening in people's own hearts. What we can do is bear fruit by remaining and try to benefit the people around us. So then he goes on in the second part of that verse, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is a reality. Pruning is a necessary process of remaining in him. It just is necessary. When we hear pruning, we think of what pruning is. It's cutting off. And this is what the gardener, the master gardener wants to do. So when Jesus was telling this analogy, they probably didn't have this nice little rubber uh, sides on it or the springs, but they would have had pruners back then. They would have had tools to operate with. When Jesus was telling this illustration, when he was using uh, this analogy, he spoke from a familiar context. So even his fishermen followers would have walked alongside of the road. They would have seen the vineyards, the grape, yard, uh, the, grape, the grape vines, and so on, even on the hillsides. They would have known enough of what he was talking about to take this thing to heart. In early Israel, branches of grapes were either allowed to lay along the ground or they were allowed to grow up. They were trained, really, to grow up on poles or on trellises. So the pruning actually occurred during two times of the year, and I've found all this out because I didn't know any of it beforehand. But two times. One was right after the harvest. What would happen is the gardener would go by and they would actually clip off all of the extra shoots that did not bear fruit, but all of the leaves would be removed at that time as well. And when, when the harvest was over and the leaves were removed, it would actually induce uh, going into that, the mode of sleeping basically for uh, the winter time. So it would stop growing and so on. So they would actually induce that process right after harvest. Now in the spring, they would begin to prune before uh, the bloom and then after it occurred as well. <clears throat> and what the process was, was removing all the shoots. So they would go by and all the little shoots that weren't necessary, leaves that were in the way, and extra what was called growth points. And this was the objective for the gardener to allow the perfect amount of growth points on the vine for there to be healthy clusters of grapes. If they prune too many shoots and too many branches, all right, then there's not enough growth points. And what happens is it grows really fast, but it never matures. So the clusters are really, really small. So what happens if the gardener is just a little bit lazy or tired or whatever, and he or she doesn't prune enough, and now there are too many growth points. Then everything gets crowded around, it's too bunched up, and then the individual grapes don't ever come to a place of maturity. So this is the one thing we have to understand. The gardener is pruning the branches for the benefit of the branches. Are you with me? They're actually doing all of this work. They're cutting off 
so that what remains would grow larger and healthier. And this is what the Lord is doing in our lives. God wants to prune the branches, or I'm sorry, the shoots that are coming off. He wants to prune areas that don't look like they're gonna grow very well. He wants to prune where it's getting bunched up so that we have the right amount of growth points that remain attached to him, the true vine, Jesus, that we would bear much fruit. Now, I believe sometimes it's one of two ways, and I think the illustration proves itself, is sometimes there's not enough, right? If you could prune too much, and sometimes you don't prune enough. But you're taking things out at harvest time, before the bloom, and after the bloom. And I look at that as this, is the Lord wants to prune things out of our life that do not belong in our life. So we can call that the bad stuff, okay? So it's, it's habits, it's uh, uh, maybe addictions, it's ways of life that he's like, listen, this is going to get in the way. It's going to hinder the growth of the grape cluster in your life. Let me cut it out. And I do believe at times we say, Lord, we want you to cut this out. We truly do. Your heart is in the right place but we're not remaining long enough for him to do it. We say, God, take it, cut it, prune me, do it, remove it, amen. And then we go about our day. And we're like, why didn't he do it? Right, so, so I talked about a lifestyle, but remember, abide does mean to stay in the same location over the period of a certain time. So there is the remaining privately, and then there is the remaining publicly. So I believe he wants to prune the stuff that doesn't belong in our life, the bad stuff, that will get in the way of growth. But I also believe he wants to prune some of the good stuff out of our life. What is that? That's overgrowth. That means you say yes to every possible Christian activity out there. Or you say yes to anybody that asks at any time. You say, well, wouldn't Jesus do that? Well, I don't know. Jesus said yes to a lot of people, but he also got away alone a lot. So I do believe that we can be so busy being Christians that we find ourselves being torn away from the vine. So I think he wants to cut out the bad stuff, and I think he actually wants to cut out some of the good shoots in your life so that the things that he wants you to focus on would create this beautiful, lush, healthy cluster of grapes. So this is like my question, my challenge to us, is when is the last time we said, all right, Lord, prune me? And then we waited Right, because as soon as I say, Lord, prune me, I'll start to get nervous. What's he gonna, what's he gonna show me? Right, you can get nervous, and then what can you do? You can fill yourself with Christian activity in that moment. Okay, I'm just gonna, re- I'm gonna do my reading plan. Prune me, Lord, I'm gonna do my reading plan now. Right, or you, like, you go do something Christian. Turn on a song, because it's getting uncomfortable. Or do we invite him, prune me. Prune me, Lord. Take away the bad stuff, and wear the good stuff, is getting overgrown so that I could bear much fruit. Now, Jesus does say something astounding to his followers. In verse three, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, this word clean means ritually pure. It doesn't mean that he, he took, took water over them, though he did already wash their feet. So if you follow that progression, all to this conversation. He's not saying that he poured water on them and gave them a bath. He's saying you're clean already. You're ritually pure. What is he saying? I have already 
pruned you. How did he prune them? Through his words, through his instructions, his commands, his discipleship. What he taught them was pruning them all along. So if you're nervous of like, how is this supposed to happen? I would start with how Jesus did it with his disciples, with his word. For Jesus, it was the spoken word. For us, we have the written word and we have the spirit of God speaking to us as we read this. All right, so for instance, it's a few weeks ago, I'm reading these verses. Guess what he begins to do in my life? He begins to prune me in an area of remaining. He's cutting things away. He's etching things out. He's clearing the way to make it known. If I'm going to take these verses at face value and realize unless I learn to do this one thing better, to remain in him, my fruit will not last. You see how he was pruning me? You guys with me? So we can let his word do the pruning with the help of the Holy Spirit. So now we get into the word and we're not just trying to get done. We're saying, God, as I begin to read my reading plan or my chapter or my verses, whatever you're doing, as I begin to look at your word, I ask that you would take those pruners out and prune me. Cut off any of the bad stuff that doesn't belong and cut out any of the stuff that's overcrowding my life. I actually believe if you invite him into that, he will do it. I believe he will be so faithful because what is his will? That we would bear much fruit, fruit that would last. Pastor Adam, if I can invite you back up at this time. So I want us to let his word cut us. I want to let his word shape us and mold us. And the Holy Spirit <clears throat> will be active <clears throat> at that time, showing us areas you're too busy over here. This thing shouldn't belong in your life anymore. I think the Holy Spirit, I know the Holy Spirit will be faithful and true because he speaks on behalf of the Father. In fact, Jesus says he's gonna tell you everything I tell him to say. He will reveal truth to us and we can see this thing happen. Amen? Picture that harness again, the harness with the straps, with the locks, with the clips. In fact, <clears throat> that day, we had, to, we had two clips. We had a red clip and a blue clip. And it was at all times, we, when we, were, we, we had to detach from one and put it around the tree, and then we'd have to detach. But the goal was this, is always remain attached. From the crossing line to the tree, wiggle around the tree as slowly or as scared as you want to, and then you reattach to the crossing line. But this was the absolute must. You must remain attached at all times. What I like about it, there's two clips here. So there's multiple ways to stay attached. So for you, it might be just in your prayer time. For some of you, it might be you start with your word and go into prayer time. For some of you, you might start with worship and singing. Some of you, it might be silence. You know, we talked about this in the practice of prayer maybe four weeks ago. We had different individuals up here, right? So it's that ebb and that flow with the Holy Spirit. I'm saying I could stay attached this way, this way, and this way. But what I'm gonna make sure is that I never become detached. Because I know as clear as day, if I do not remain attached, all fruit is off the table, gone. Cannot bear it without remaining in him. Now the, the, the lifestyle is there, but go, let's look back at scripture just for a few minutes and look at the context of all these verses 
It is wrapped around a healthy prayer life. Look at verse seven once again. It says, if you remain in me and my words, my words, the living word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is pretty awesome. Like if you want a prayer life where prayers are being answered where you haven't seen them answered, if you want breakthrough where you feel like you've just been running into roadblocks, if we want to see the signs and the wonders and the miracles that are written here, the salvations that are written on the face of this altar, we want to see the healings and the deliverance, family members coming back to the Lord. If we want to see all those things, then we have to get to a place and say, wait a minute, where is Jesus saying that we can ask what we want in his name and he's going to give it to us? Oh, great. It's right here, John 15, verse 7. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. What do we have to do to get there? Let's just look at the first part of the sentence. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Now we know uh, for any, anybody who's newer in the faith, when you balance this statement out with the rest of scripture, ask whatever you wish does not mean you say, that private jet is coming my way in Jesus' name. If it's the Lord's will for you to have a private jet, ask him, okay? But we know that we, when we remain in him, then we ask what's according to his will because our heart is surrendered to him. Does this make sense? So asking what you want will be the Father's will because selfishness gets laid aside when we remain in him. He reinforces this in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and he continues. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Fruit comes from remaining. Answered prayers come from remaining. Eternal impact on others come from remaining. And throughout the rest of this chapter, experiencing God's love, remaining in his love so that we could show love to others comes only from remaining. Why don't you stand at this time? There's nothing else you take away from this day. You take away this fact. When we remain in Jesus, we will be able to navigate the course of life effectively. It's simple as that. I want you just to bow your heads at this time. It is impossible to remain in Christ if you're not even attached to him yet. So I feel like it's proper at the closing of today to ask if there are any of you in this room that sense I'm just not attached to Jesus yet. That would have come one of two ways. The first one is that you've never surrendered your life to him as Lord and Savior. So you're actually not following him as your Savior. And if he's not your savior, if he's not your Lord yet, if he's not on the throne of your heart yet, then there's no way you could be attached to him. So if that's you, I just want you to think, is this your day that you want to make a decision to follow Jesus and get attached? The second person out there might be someone to say, yeah, I said yes a long time ago. I was attached, but I know it either wasn't for real or I've chosen to simply walk away. And today I wanna be grafted back into that vine. The great thing about this is the father is the master gardener. So he knows exactly how to graft a branch back into a vine and it will stay as long as we choose to remain. So if that is you today on either side, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time, or if you wanna be grafted back in to the one true vine, I want you to raise your hand and look up at me at this time and I want an opportunity to pray with you. 
there anyone? I see a hand back here in the middle, one back here on the side. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else here? Anyone else just want to come back, be grafted into the vine? Thank you, Lord. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to celebrate in just a moment, but Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I ask in the sweetness of this moment that wherever these individuals are that raise their hands, that you would just show up in might and in power by your grace in this moment to reaffirm to them that they are being attached or regrafted into the true vine who can be trusted, who will give them the harness and the straps and the clips to stay remaining the rest of their life. Father, we thank you for their boldness and their willingness simply to raise their hand. I pray, God, that you do something in their lives at this moment. Father, I also pray for each one of us in this room and those watching online. Father, that you would create a greater desire for us not to do something for you, but to remain with you and in you. Jesus, we want to spend more quality time with you, but we also wanna be more aware of your spirit as we go about our day. Teach us to remain, Jesus. Teach us to remain. And Lord, we get excited just thinking about the fruit that will result because we simply remain. Father, we believe you want to do amazing, outstanding things through our lives individually and as a church family. But before we begin to take those steps, even this fall, we, we have to learn how to remain, to be with you, to be transformed by you, to be pruned by the gardener. Father, we thank you and we love you that you are answering the prayer and the cry of our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.